Hey, Paul Scanlon. Hey. Did you know that the original cast is having its very first live show on December 10th? I had heard about it. Where'd you hear about that? I heard that on this podcast. Well, that's a fancy place to hear about it. We're having our live show December 10th, 4.30 p.m. at 4805 Edgemore Lane in Bethesda, Maryland, as part of the Flying V Awesomeathon. Are you familiar with Flying V? I'm decently familiar with Flying V. They do some very good work. They do. Is I saw them. At, heard? I saw them win their Helen Hayes Award. Oh, well, then there you go. That's they did awesome. win a Helen Hayes Award. I don't know if I brought that up. That's a fancy thing to have done. I've seen that Helen Hayes Award. There you go. I didn't see them win. So, yeah, we're having a live show on December 10th, 4.30 p.m. at 4805 Edgemore Lane. Tickets are pay what you can. It's a fundraiser for Flying V. It lasts 24 hours. And actually, I'm doing a few things there in addition to the live show, but we're only here to talk about the live show. You can learn more about it at unknownpenguin.com live. Tickets are pay what you can. There are no advanced sales, however, though. So I've started a Facebook group to try to get some uh, sense of who's coming. We've got some good responses there. You can find all those links at unknownpenguin.com slash live. Will you be there or you have a show? You might not be there, What day right? is December that? December 10th is a Saturday. December 10th is, we have two shows. You have two shows, so you probably won't be there. So Paul won't be there, but everybody else should be there. There'll be just Paul at Arena Stage. Alone, by alone. myself, <laughs> doing a one-man version Show has been Carousel, canceled which, because, you yeah. know, everybody else is in Bethesda <laughs> flying at the flying view. That'd be, I, I don't think the building could handle it. I think we, so if you don't cancel your tickets to Carousel, if you've already got tickets to Carousel <laughs> Arena, you can go to that. But otherwise, you should. And then be. you can go to Flying B after. That's true. It happens for 24 yeah. hours. You can do or both. Or before. You can go before. It starts 10 o'clock on December 9th and runs till 10 o'clock on December 10th. You can come before, after. You can come during if you don't have tickets, yeah. obviously, to anything. So again, <laughs> Flying V Awesomeathon, December 10th, 4.30 p.m., original cast live on stage with the cast of you or whatever I can get at uh, 4805 Edgemore Lane in Bethesda, Maryland. Be there, please, I guess. I don't know what to... Be there, be awesome. Why does the guest always know what to say and I don't? Whenever my world falls apart I never lose hope or lose heart Whatever the form of the storm that may brew Not with you to lean on, darlings, you Hello and welcome to The Original Cast, a podcast about original cast albums and the people who love them. I'm Patrick Flynn, playwright, filmmaker, and professor of communications at American University. And each episode, we invite someone who you'd see in the theater, either on stage, backstage, or in the house, to discuss an original cast album they love. And today, we are joined by actor, dancer, singer, you know, at Al. It's Jenny Donovan, everybody. Hi, guys. Hi, Jenny. How you doing? Oh, I'm pretty good. How are you? I'm doing just fine. Thank you for coming down here in the rain and... Thank you, you know, for having other me. Other nonsense. And you chose, tell the people what you chose. Oh, I chose The Secret Garden. Yeah, you chose a secret, which is good, because short notice. So you picked something that I know very well, so that was handy. Oh, good. I was yes. worried I chose something. You're not like, oh, a, I do. Oh, that is no, going to be no, just no, a painful no. hour in my not life. Not at all. No, I know the show really well. How did the Secret Garden come into your uh, your sphere of influence? So I, I guess, so I'm trying to go back in time here. I think around 1996, 1997, I was about 10 or 11 years old. And um, growing up in York, Pennsylvania, they had the York Little Theater. So they did Secret Garden, and I played Mary. Okay. So 
Um, it's weird, though. It's wonderful because I have all these memories, very vivid memories from an 11-year-old's eyes. Mm-hmm. And so listening to it again has yeah. been really fun and okay. interesting. Yeah, it's a that's a heck of a part for an 11-year-old. I was going to ask how old you were. That's 11. Tense is, little part. That is. Well, that's how old Daisy Egan was when she did it. Yeah. And won her Tony Award. So. She, oh, I know, right? So she was 11. But I was 11 <laughs> when the show came out. She, I, I think she and I were the same age. So... That's that's where yeah. So this that seems to be the age. Did you know the book or anything before you did the show? I think it was one of those scenarios where I had a general understanding, but it wasn't until I was like, "Ooh, they're doing the musical!" That I was like, "Maybe I should read that book." So I think I read it at some point. In... You think you read it? At some... <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not. I mean, it's not essential if you're the the actor at all to dig into source material like that. In fact, it can hurt. Sometimes because That's there are differences. Say. Yeah, I mean, I think if you're directing or certainly if you're writing, you should probably read the source material. Yeah, but and maybe if you're doing design, but yeah, performers, you it can mess you up, and especially when you're that young. That's fair. I'm thinking. Yeah, I mean, it I don't know about really... now, but at age 11, it's like I think I have what I need right here. Right. Maybe you I enough. shouldn't spend you know, you know, on stage hours and hours. Not the whole time, I guess, but on stage, quite a bit. I was gonna say like 75 percent of the show. Yeah. Like, there's not. There's not a lot. There, Mary's not. Right smack she's a, dab in the middle of everything. She's important, I guess. How many uh, how many performances did you do? I mean, ballpark. Sure, I don't have an exact right, number. Yeah, that's, right. Yeah, like fifteen. Right. Um, probably about probably about fifteen. Probably actually. about fifteen. Okay, so a dozen or more. All yeah, right. Yeah, I do the like you know Friday through Sunday for maybe a month. For like sort a month and a bit. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So that's a nice run. Okay. So you 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 found you so you first started the show when you auditioned for it. That was sort of, or you first got to the show when you auditioned for it. I think so. I wow. mean, I maybe I, I had heard of it. Sure. But it certainly wasn't something I was going home and listening to and knew all the words to. Right. It was very much. A, I'm sure you auditioned against some people though, who, who that I was the case. Did. Yeah. Child actors are intense. And you got man. it. You who don't even know, you got <laughs> it. Someone out there has never forgiven you. Uh oh. I probably I don't. Are know. they listening? I got it. It would be hilarious if they. It'd were. be amazing. <laughs> of course, Jenny's doing the secret garden. She beat me up for marrying <laughs> twenty years ago. <laughs> well, it was probably yeah, time to get over it. Yeah. So it's a it, well, it's a it's a wonderful show. I I can't. I knew the book. Mm-hmm. My mother read me the book every spring. Really? For like four years. Yeah. I mean, like it was just sort of a up at up all like when I was old enough to have. Heard it and still be getting bedtime stories. She would read me that book every spring. Wow. So I knew the book inside and out. And we went to see, she and I went to see the show together when it was on the road, probably in like 93, I think Mm -hmm. was the touring company. That was the first time I saw the show. And it is very different from the book um, in certain ways. And in certain ways, it's not. But uh, so I, and I was struck as, you know, 13 year old me being like, well, that's not how it happens. You know. (laughs) My, more Not as much as my mom, I have to say. My mom got really, and still does, gets really upset. Her favorite character in the book, though, is not in the musical, not in any film adaptation of the story at all. Who is that? It's the character of Dickon and Mar- uh, Martha's mother. Oh. Has a whole, it's one chapter in the book. I mean, if you're going to cut something for time, you're going <laughs> to cut this character. Because they just go see her. They take Colin, and it's Dickon and, and Colin and Mary go to see Dickon's mother. And all the other little kids that who live in this nice. little house. It's a sweet scene. It's very sweet. And she's just this very fun, 
smiley, happy, laughing, life-affirming characters that... As characters. she would be. Right, absolutely. Dick in, like, absolutely, makes yes. It makes perfect sense. And it's, it is just one chapter, though, and they mm-hmm. do have to go see her. So, like, you know, it's very, very easy to cut. Yeah. And uh, But my mom is always eternally upset oh, when you condense that book. Yeah. <laughs> She'll be very glad to hear that from you. <laughs> <laughs> so, for those people who haven't read the book or haven't seen the show, could you give everyone a quick synopsis of The Secret Garden? Oh, man. This is Do gonna... you think you couldn't? <laughs> so no, no, that... <laughs> I mean... <laughs> After 15 performances, I have no idea what the show's about no anymore. No <laughs> clue what this is about. No, I'm, I certainly could. It's one of those things where I feel like I'm going to get myself tangled because there's a lot yes. of stuff. Very tricky. Yeah, well, stick to the stick to the highlights, and we'll get okay, into the minutia. Okay, so like bullet points, secret garden. Right. Mary lives in India. Parents and everyone she knows die of cholera. Right. She gets sent to her only family in England. Mm-hmm. She is not a happy child. No. Which is, <laughs> to put it mildly, to put it mildly, really, in the, yes, in the circumstances. Uh, there, she discovers her uncle Archie, her uncle Neville Craven, Neville Craven, yes. yes. Um, and then there's a bunch of ghosts, right? Which she sort of discovers through the well, story. Well, ghost, yeah, ghosty kind of Greek chorusy. Exactly. Do we see them? Do we not? I don't yeah. know. Kind of stuff. But yeah. she certainly interacts with them, and yes. we kind of get some of their background, especially her aunt Lily, who's right. sort of, you know lead ghost. If right. You will. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, there's you know a crippled boy who is right. hidden away, Colin. So right. she, her cousin. She yes, her cousin. Um, so the story kind of revolves around Mary awakening, reawakening sort of the life in herself. But along the way, she also sort of revives Colin and her uncle and and the garden. And everybody, yes, and, and the garden. And everyone. And also yeah. there's Martha and Dickon. Right, who are just and the co- um, host of plucky English characters exactly, to surround which, them with. Yeah, the, so the only thing I think you skipped is that when she comes to the house... It is a house of deep sadness. Oh, yeah, the uh, sadness. Because, yes, her Uncle Archie's uh, wife, who was his, her mother's sister, died like 11 years before the story begins. And he sort of has shut himself off from the world. That's a really important part. It I'm is, glad yeah. you mentioned that. Um, she kind of, Lily's death ties Ties everything, everything together. together. Yeah, absolutely. It's a dark story, though I will, like for a kid's book especially, it does not shy away from the hard realities of death. I mean, basically, yeah. and reactions to to death. So what did 11-year-old you think of all these these things? Because there is certainly the wonder of exploring, like, the child and the big house and, the you know, she's a hero and a detective mm-hmm. and she's bratty. That's always fun. But, like, what, did you ever at 11 go, God, this is this is intense? Did you ever feel that? I'm sure I didn't completely process it as an 11-year-old. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I feel like I was a little more on the intense side. Sure. A little on the quiet side. <laughs> so I can see finding th- things to relate to. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly not this <laughs> right, catastrophic. Right. But but um, I oddly think I probably found the fun in it, as kids do, and, mm-hmm. and things like like that when they're not completely aware. Right. You have the bliss of ignorance a little bit. Yeah. So I, I don't. I don't think I'm scarred from it. I'll oh, that's good. That. Yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah. Wasn't quite my question, but that's good. Well, I just wanted you to know. To know that you're you know. you're fine. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's good. Just to get that on the table. <laughs> In case anyone was curious yeah. about it. Yeah, because well, it is it, it is an intensely, I mean, it's just, it is, and it's a lot of adults and kids stuff, and it's a lot of kids going through some serious crap. I mean, mm-hmm. her parents die, but they didn't love her anyway. 
which makes it which right. makes it which better I, and worse at the same time. <laughs> I don't remember as a child that part of the story, and it wasn't until I re-listened. Oh, really? I was like, wow. Oh that yeah, there was really not a good relationship. No, there no, no. And in the book, it's very explicit. Her parents did not want her, like full stop. Man. And now she's in a house where nobody wants her. It's a great, you know, lovely yeah. Victorian experience, I'm sure. So what does it what's the big difference for you between now and then when you were eleven and, and now? Um I think that I I am more aware of the struggle that the adults are going through. Mm-hmm. I think I was very focused on Mary and her little journey and, you know, finding that key and all that stuff. And now I can sort of understand more how tragic it is, especially for Archie. I think he stood out to me the most. Oh, yeah. But I also found Martha and Dickon so fun as an adult. It was like, oh, here, okay. you know, and did I enjoyed not, I was going to say, did you not find them fun as kids? Or I, was did, it, I did. I okay. did. But I think I didn't quite appreciate how how kind they were yeah. and how kind of magical they were. They were able to sort of see what was going to happen and, and sort of help push it along. And what I'm really interested in is this thing of you you really came to this piece at the exact right age <laughs> to play that's, the part. Yeah. You yeah. were eleven. That's the entry point for this. It's like finding my brother my brother Roddy was eleven when Harry Potter came out. Perfect. Which of course is how old Harry Potter is in the book. So like he has a s- super deep visceral connection with yes. Harry Potter because he was eleven reading the Sorcerer's Stone. So I wonder if there's any such thing as an eleven year old playing Mary in, you know, sort of, was this, this, one, this wasn't the first show you'd done, I would imagine. No, but it was definitely the, the largest part I had had. Okay. So it is kind of this first big step out into the, I mean, you take the last bow. That's not to be ignored. And sure. you are getting, I'm sure, a lot of attention in rehearsal and then also, like, after shows. Like, people are coming up to you and saying, wonderful job and all that kind of thing. So that that can't, you know, that that's your sort of first taste of jumping into this this career that you yeah. now have. So what did this, how does that live in you? Do you, this show, a show like this, does it have that sort of resonance? I think it does. Mm-hmm. And the reason I, I say yes is because while looking through all of these musicals that I, I had a lot of, I, mean, I sent you three yeah. that I liked, but you know, I, was thinking about the first show that I really liked, which was Peter Pan. Right. And then thinking about, like, my first real, like, remembering the obsession was Oliver. Right. But I was like, I don't, I was too young to quite feel like it, it probably did change me, but I'm not sure how. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, I guess when I listen to this, I I go back to a place in time that is so specific in my mind that... I'm. Sh- I don't know. I don't know my answer to that. I mean, I'm sure I feel a connection. Well, where to do it. you go when you when you hear it? Um, I feel. Th- I mean, I can picture. I can picture the theater. I can picture how the the weather was because we did it in spring. Oh wow! I remember that our Aya forgot to set her clock forward when we like sprung forward, so ah. she <laughs> either did miss. She was early, right? Wasn't that make you early? Doesn't that make her late? Oh, no. Oh, no, it does make you spring. late. You're right. I, I, spring. Maybe for- I no, 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 you're spring. right. Spring forward, so you think it's 11 o'clock, but it's actually right. 12 o'clock, so yes, right. it would make you late. Yes. Um, But she was either not there for the first scene, or maybe she was, but like... But just barely. Just barely. Yeah. Um, well, if you have an hour call, that would that would really be cutting it pretty close. I think that's what it was. In a cell phone world. Yeah. Yeah. So. I just... I have... It's... It reminds me of my hometown. It reminds me... Uh, I can, like, picture the lobby. It's a very visceral experience. How big was the theater? 
Um, maybe one fifty under two hundred. Sure. Okay. So it's a good size, though. Yeah, I mean, pretty that's good for, size. Especially when you're eleven, that's a that's a barn. Of yeah. A, of a theater. Um. Uh, yeah, it, it it seems to it's interesting this show being being that being that age and this being your first lead. Is that is this idea of memory that is in this show? Because the thing I'm really fascinated with in this show, personally, are the ghosts, mm-hmm. and there are a lot of them. Yes. Because the show doesn't even try to answer the question about whether these ghosts are real, or are they memories. Mm-hmm. And or is there a difference between a memory and a ghost? I mean, is there any kind of real difference between those two things? And so what I'm really interested in with you, though, specifically, is that this show has very specific memories, a lot mm-hmm. of ghosts with it. So I wonder, I'm interested how as you as you've gotten older and as you've grown as, a, as an actor and as a, as a person, how those ghosts have morphed, changed and or developed. Um. Well, a couple of things stood out to me as as an adult. Um, one was what we just talked about, which is it ends with Lily getting to sing the last line. And yeah. so as much as I used to think it was really about Archie and the kids, and it, and it is, mm-hmm. but Archie kind of says his goodbye to her already, and oh, yet yeah. she's still there at the end. So it really you're right about, you know, whose story is it a little bit and who's controlling what and who's right. holding on, which I did not notice till recently. Mm-hmm. Um, I also didn't notice, aside from Lily, who is always very warm and loving. Right. <laughs> um, For a dead person. Those ghosts are mad. Oh, those ghosts are pissed. Like, all, I mean, just the, I mean, thinking well, they of the ref- storm and all the, they're, they are a force. And they reflect, but they reflect the mood. Sure. They reflect sure. the mood of not only the weather, but also of the house. Like, when the house is, to, like, in that scene where um, they discover Mary with Colin. Mm-hmm. And everybody freaks out, and then all the ghosts freak out and have another storm. Like That's they have this true. They're kind of an extension explosion. of explosion, and there's all this yelling you can kind of hear in the dialogue in the background. Mary Lennox, you I foolish I was afraid child. of something like this. Now you listen to me. I should have sent you away while there was still time. You are never to see Colin again. But why? It's exactly what they deserve. And I'm not sure who's talking in a lot of those scenes. Like, I got right. like, and who's like, the ghosts are having arguments. Like, if Mary's remembering arguments her parents had, right, or right. this or that, you know what I mean. Like, the, it, it's not clear, and I don't think it, it needs to be clear. It's just obviously a cacophony of emotion. But then that leads to the question of like, are these ghosts Mary's ghosts? Are they Archibald's ghosts? Are they the house ghosts? Because her parents yeah. are in the mix. Her eye is in the mix. Right. They show up as as. Seems as like ghosts. everyone's got just care, you know, just got walking your own around with a bunch ghosts. of ghosts. Yeah, That's right. and then sometimes they get together. Right, and have these little <laughs> and like hang out. Have these little moments. Yeah, the ghosts certainly seem to live a lot more with the adults than with the kids. I mean, Mary's parents yeah. pop up, but I mean, the adults are the only ones who sing with the ghosts. I mean, they have in addition to Girl in the Valley. Mm-hmm. There's the quartet between two living people and two dead people. <laughs> right. <laughs> Who are alive? The Lily and Rose are alive when they're singing their half of the quartet. But, sure. But they are dead now. Yeah. They are. Yeah, it's a flashback, pretty much, and it's sisters and brothers and arguing about 
love and the fact that Archie's a hunchback, which I think we forgot to mention that. Oh, so yeah, he's a hunchback. He's a hunchback. That's how they call him. I don't, I don't, we don't quite know what that means exactly. <laughs> Listen to this now. Do you find yourself? I mean, in addition to flashing back to mm-hmm. you know the lobby and, and and the theater, which I love stuff like that that draws you back in. Where does it? Where do these new discoveries about the adults take you? You know what I mean. You know, mm-hmm. see what I mean? Like, because you're, you're also, you know, you're not 11 anymore, but you're not 60. You know, you're not or 50. <laughs> you know what I mean? But you're not True. like you're not looking back on a whole life of right. of, of stuff. You are still moving forward you're still in your you're you know on the upward trajectory of your life and i say that because you're younger crossed. well you're younger than me and i hope i am too uh but you know what i mean like it's still it's all still rising so i mm-hmm. wonder how much the what you see in these in these adults now that you you didn't see as a as a kid because i think if you're older you can have the wisdom of being like oh well yes you know you just need to you need to love and be loved and that's right. the you know what i mean and you can kind of walk away from it but these these people are making mistakes that you have yet to make, you know, sure. in a lot of ways. So maybe actually, maybe that's why I keep being drawn back to Martha and Dickon. Maybe I'm kind of in their <laughs> category <laughs> a little good. bit. Like okay. I, I am starting to appreciate like the energy and the effort they put in to kind of try to make things better. Sure. And they're sort of positive energy Yeah. Um, when they're surrounded by what seems to be a lot of negative energy. So maybe that... So where do you, what do you what think I'm of noticing. Martha and Dickon? Let's get into Martha and Dickon then. Sure. They're fun. Well, I'm I'm pro. I l- <laughs> <laughs> well, then they'll survive another night. Thank you very much for being here. Well, I mean, so the, the issue can be for me, and this is, again, something that listening to the recording, I'm not sure how much just – these re- recordings like this are tricky because there's a difference between how you play a part on stage and how you would do a part in a recording studio – and both Allison Frazier and John Cameron Mitchell are kind of dialed up to 11 on this recording, accent and earnestness-wise. Yes. Which on stage, I think, would read pretty genuine because, you, mm-hmm. you know, you have, a whole, you have a whole auditorium to, enter, to entertain. But on the recording, Martha especially to me can get a little – Dick can pretty evenly too when he sings like Wick – can get a little earnest – Yes, and I'm actually glad you mentioned Wick in particular, which I love that song, and I I think that it's one that I can just like hum along to. I think uh-huh. it's very you know beautiful. It's a sweet written. melody. Yeah. It is. Um, however, it kind of it kind of feels like it's beating you over the head. You know, there's not much movement in it as far as, and I can see how right. it could be it could be difficult for the actor too. But it does. It feels like it's a, it's 110. percent When a thing is Wick, it has the light around it. Maybe not a light that you can see But hiding down below sparks asleep inside it Waiting for the right time to be seen You clear away the dead parts so the tender buds can fall Loosen up the earth and let the roots get warm Let the roots get warm 
it's just saying that word is pretty funny. Yeah, that's it is an interesting that and fine white horse. Yeah. Just strike me as a little they can tend towards saccharine. Yes. They don't that is not their intention. But if you play it with too much of a ear to ear smile, yes. you lose a little depth. If I had a wooden boat, I'd take you for a sail today. But since I have no wooden boat, inside I'll have to stay and catch and kill the mice and pluck the chickens for the cook. But what's that to do on a wooden boat? But sit up straight and look And worry our boat will start to drift And float us out to sea And land us on an isle of gold A dear, a dearie So what's... Let's start with Martha first Because you would have had to interact with both of these people mm-hmm. What is Martha's deal? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question Um, Yeah, I mean, I, I, I have... I'm, maybe this is in the book. I, I have a lot of questions about like how she ended up there and the how she says. I have not read the book in like twenty years. Okay, so like, so but I, nice. I will. I, there's a lot I remember, but there's but not a not a bunch. Gotcha. Um, I mean, she lives obviously. She grew up nearby. Yeah, so her whole family lives in somewhere probably on the property, uh, as you would at the time. Mm-hmm. So you know, it would be the job to have if you live in the village. Yeah, and I I mean one thing that sticks out about uh, in Fine White Horse is is, you know, her imagination juxtaposed with the fact that she's too afraid to go outside, which yeah. I'm not quite sure why. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so there's some questions about about why she is the way she is. Yeah. I find it interesting, but I'm not completely sure we why don't really get or into how it, it a whole moves lot. things. I think it's more to move move Mary forward. Right. (laughs) Which again is, I mean, it's kind of cool that both him and Martha are kind of like, I think that you're going to find a garden and here you go and like push push her. But at the same time, like, you know. Yeah, Martha's lyrics in Fine White Horse, Fine White Horse bugs me, I will say, way more than Dickens does because her lyrics are very pointed to Mm -hmm. what is about to happen. Right. With lyrics like, If in the maze you chance to see a garden, garden, and meet a bird who speaks to me. Then come and tell my fine white horse and me. That all is going to happen. <laughs> all of that is about to, like, literally about to happen. Yes. The, the bird she's going to meet in, I think, the next scene. Oh, yeah. And so it's all very, What I think what you would call, and the book certainly has this, magical realism, mm-hmm. where kind of mystical things happen and it's just sort of like that's the way the world is. There are these sort of magical moments that aren't huge moments of like overt magic, but right. things work out in a very serene. You have a, the exact right piece of information you need. Well, like a bird shows you where the key is. Like a bird pecks a key out <laughs> of the ground. Birds never show me anything. Right. Never ever once have I been shown man. something by a bird. I've been pooped on by a bird once. Oh, man. Yeah. That was years ago. Um, <laughs> but you still remember it. Well, would you forget being pooped on no, by a bird? you're right. You're right. That's not, I don't know why I questioned not, it. not something you easily forget. I was 21. It was October 2001. <laughs> and I was walking with my, my now wife and a bird pooped, pooped on me. Oh, romantic. Um, yeah, you know. And so, yeah, I mean, the, there's so many moments like that they're, they're where, you know, like you say, the robin shows her, literally shows her where the key is to get into the garden, um, which obviously has to happen. Like, she has to find sure. the key. But, you know, and there's some, there's a lot of little moments like that of the exact right thing happening at the exact right time. And Martha kind of mm-hmm. serves that purpose a little bit. Um, 
And it just feels a little, and maybe it's a, just a sin of the recording instead of it being on stage. Like we're on stage, you maybe wouldn't necessarily notice what she had said that immediately. Yeah, so Martha feels a little, I, I don't know that the show does her as good a service as it, though she does yeah. have, I mean, she has arguably, could be the best song in the show with Hold On. I think yeah, the, I mean, that's the, an amazing song. When you see a man who's a raging and he's jealous and he fears that you've walked through walls he's hit behind for years what you do then is you tell yourself to wait it out Wonderful, show, giving her depth. I mean, showing that she really does have like this true. She's a real person, like right. not just like this smiley, happy dreamer, magical realist n- nymph. Yes, basically, she has this great. It's funny. Had you not mentioned it being the bet, like the best song in the show, I, I would not have. It, 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 I kind of forgotten about it a little it might, bit. That that is the weird thing about it because everybody comes to the show and everybody's Lily's eyes. Like Lily's eyes is the song yes. everybody talks about, and I'm absolutely right there with them. But I've heard that song mm-hmm. a thousand times and it's, it's you know, it's no less good, but it's not the song that I kind of, I don't want to listen to that again necessarily, maybe because I overloaded myself with it when I was, you know, 13, 14 years old, yeah. learning both parts. And it's Mandy Patinkin and Robin Westerberg. I mean, Robert Westenberg got, you know, God bless. It's an amazing duet. Oh, They're yeah. two actors at the height of their powers performing this wonderful uh piece of theater which is not in the book uh, that's a whole invention of the show I will say at this the point. eyes her well the fact that Neville the character of Neville Crane is not in the novel what yeah the doctor is just this sort of doctor oh. who she doesn't meet until she finds Colin before oh, she finds okay. Colin the only characters she knows are Martha Mrs. Medlock and Archie and she only kind of knows Archie and she meets when she meets Colin the doctor comes in and she discovers it. She may see him coming and going from the house, but she doesn't like have any interactions with him. Wow. He is not, he's not a nice guy, but he's, there's none of this love triangle, yeah. wanting the house, leave the house and lands to me. There's none of that in the book. The book, because the book doesn't have a villain is the yeah. big difference. The book does not have a villain. The villain in the book is sadness, <laughs> right. basically. I was, I, was, I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, and, you know, Neville is a villain to some extent, but mostly everyone's just battling with their incredible sorrow and death and, right. and terrible you, memories. You need someone in these... What's really funny about every adaptation I've seen of this novel is they all make somebody the bad guy. And, like, mm-hmm. in the 90s film version with Maggie Smith as Mrs. Medlock, Mrs. Medlock is the bad guy. Just in the sense that she is undermining Colin and Mary's relationship at every turn. She's the force who's try- who's trying to stop them from getting out of the house. The force of, like, no, Colin is sick. She's sort of keeping I things see. as they are. Doing it more out of fear than out of malice. Neville is an active villain. He is yes. at least strongly implied that he is keeping Colin ill and trying to kill him. 
it's pretty freaking dark. And especially because it's the progeny of the woman he loved and clearly still loves. Like, it's a real... Right. He's a rough guy uh, who just ends up fine at the end of it. They just forgive him and let him leave. <laughs> send him off. You didn't actually kill anybody, so it's 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 cool. But yeah, in the book, it is it is just sadness. Sadness is the is the bad guy, or gloom, or whatever depression, right. whatever you want to call it, anger, nature. This sort of life is the villain, <laughs> and these people learn to deal with life. I mean, that's what they're learning to deal with. Like you know, stuff happens, and you have to, you can't sink into it. You have to move out. Very existential. Very of its time, very, you know, apparently I read today Francis, Francis Hodges Burnett, who wrote the novel, was loved, was a, was a big Christian scientist, apparently, or was obsessed with it at the moment, which was oh, a new wow. movement at the time, and just healing through, like medicine couldn't do anything. The doctor's the bad guy. Like uh, nature will cure you. Nature will make wow. you better. Yeah. Which is now, now that I've said that, it's <laughs> kind of hard not to see it. But I like can't, before un- that, I can't just, unsee that. Yeah. No, not at all. But so I've been, I've been rambling on about this for a minute. The... This, yeah, hold on to me grabs me really and hold, and for want of a better term, <laughs> holds on and will not let go. Yeah. It's a very, I mean, it's just this very, I mean, very well written song. And it you is. say it is your favorite song in the show? It's hard to say. I mean, how could I ever know? Is that what that's okay. called? Yeah. That's also, I mean, that one stands out. I don't know if I'd say it's my favorite, but it's like if you told me to name a song. You don't like it. No, That's I'm fine. making I'm making this face. That's not why I'm making this face. I am making this face because I think it might be the most heartbreaking and beautiful moment of music theater in oh. the last 20 years, and I really mean that. Or 25. Oh, years. good. I thought you just didn't like it. No, and I was very no, confused. I know the pain. The pain is the look you're <laughs> seeing see. on my face. I see. It is. It's an audio podcast. I guess we have to describe these things. <laughs> now we're frowning. Now we're frowning. Yeah, I'm not. I'm. I don't know what I'm looking, but I'm not looking. I'm not looking comfortable. I'm sure. The yet yeah, that scene. I think I talked about this a little bit when Hannah Hessel Ratner was here, uh, in a, in an intermission. But the this and this all ties to this idea of of who the ghosts are, to me and what they are, because that is a scene where a father gets over his grief for his wife. Either, yeah. either with the ghost of his dead wife help, <laughs> or with the like, or or it's all him. I mean, or you can internalize it. Either way, it's beautiful. Uh, with the memory of her, he is sort of enacting both parts, and he's letting himself let go yeah. of the grief and the guilt that he feels for the fact that she's dead, and he can't care for their son because every time he looks at their son, he sees. You know, that's a very common thing. She died. I believe it's explicit. It's certainly explicit in the book. I don't know if it's explicit in the show or not, but she died. She fell out of the tree while she was pregnant and died giving birth. Yes. Okay, that is Yes, yeah. which 
pregnant women maybe shouldn't be in trees. Probably not. No. That's, Especially that's then. A good, that's a good lesson. This is like 1901. What is it? I mean, like, yeah. well, now I think they could, I mean, don't. Still don't right. get in the tree. <laughs> don't but we could it. probably figure it out. Like, you know, we could probably <laughs> have the technology. Like, then, no. You might have died in childbirth anyway. anyway. Yeah, like, yeah. just, if you, you just, everything was fine all the time. Yeah, so it's a, uh, yeah, no, 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 no. That's a, that's don't a, climb don't trees. climb trees. No. Yeah, that's a good, but it is, that is a gorgeous I mean, the melody's gorgeous, but the the scene to me is just heartbreaking, oh. where he finally moves into acceptance. I mean, the fact that he just can't go home because there's too much confronting him after 11 years, and Lily's just like, you, you got a deal, man. All I need is there in the garden, all I would ask is care for the child of our love. favorite part that struck me. I was like, I never heard that before. Oh, wow. um, so, uh, so Lily sings, I, I might mess up the name of this, the man who came to my valley, yeah. the man, you know. Um, at the very end of that, right before Mary walks in, the orchestra plays a tiny bit of How Could I Ever Know? Just a little snippet, yes. and then Mary interrupts it, which yes. I, maybe I it knew. It starts for, to go into that melody. Maybe forgot, yeah. and so I love that. child like maybe he's almost getting there or maybe she's almost leaving him there and then it gets cut off well but it is it's the resolution melody you're right but it is that the how could i ever know melody but it's the it's the the thing that makes and i don't know i'm gonna really start because i don't i know just <laughs> enough about music to be dangerous but there's a great shift in the melody where it goes when she's singing how the high i'm gonna i'll put in rebecca luker here um <laughs> when she does the sure as you breathe she goes that goes for the minor mm-hmm. chord instead of the major resolution of that thought so it's got this kind of like suspended cadence 
to it. I'm not using all those words right, I'm sure. But it, 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 it has this sort of sense of, of not, it doesn't resolve. It right. goes into the minor and doesn't satisfy you. And the melody that they're playing when they're waltzing is just about to go into the minor when Mary pops in. Yes. So Mary kind of becomes that force in the music. Because in that moment, Archie's waltzing with her. He's remembering, he's lost in his memory. Yes. He's not dealing with the problem at hand. No. Which is, he's escaping. He's, he's, he's doing some escapism, dreaming, and it's, it's not good. It's a sweet moment. And we need it as audience members to be like, oh, they were happy and they loved each other. Yes, that's sweet. That's but it's not a, it's not healthy. He's got an eleven-year-old kid upstairs that nobody <laughs> ever talks to. <laughs> Except he goes up there when he's asleep. Right, which is, <laughs> which is another great song. Oh, that's a song I sing. I sang to my son when he was very little. Race you to the top of the morning. Come sit on my shoulders and ride. Run and hide, I'll come and find you Climb hills to remind you I love you, my boy, at my side Beautiful moment. And a moment you don't really get either in the book. You get him, he goes into the room, and I think Colin's kind of awake, but pretending to be asleep so that his father won't leave. You know, there's this moment of, like, between the two of them. But uh-huh. hearing Archie sing that song... And really just, like, lay bare all the feelings he has and yeah. how he can't deal because he's a big whiny baby. Um, <laughs> but he kind of is. I mean, I love yeah. him. And I would die to play him and all that. And I would love this. But he is. He's there. not coping well. And he <laughs> takes it out on a lot of pretty innocent people. <laughs> and just by doing nothing. I mean, it's a yeah. great it's a great study in just passive assault mm-hmm. because he just lets Neville do everything. And because he trusts that Neville's doing the right thing, <laughs> calls him the. I mean, he calls him in that song. Calls him the wizard who lives on the hill. I mean, he calls right. him the guy who's gonna solve all of our problems. And he's really not. He's kind of making more problems than. Yeah. Than you need. Really I don't. You've tapped a rich vein, Jenny. I can't stop talking. No, no. It's <laughs> <laughs> bad. I mean, I know Go it's my on. show, but you're right. But uh, <laughs> well, you know. So this is this is completely. Well, it's you know mildly related, sure, sure. but it's just popped into my head. Listening to uh, "Race to the Top of the Morning," yes, um, reminded me very much of Meadowlark from Baker's Wife. When I was a girl, I had a favorite story of the meadowlark who lived where the rivers wind. Her voice could match the angels in its glory, but she was blind. The lark was blind, the king of the rivers took her to his palace, where the walls were burnished bronze and golden braid, and he fed her fruit and nuts from an ivory chalice, and he prayed, sing for me, my meadowlark, sing for me of the Brocade and cruel, and I love you for life if you will sing for me. Then one. Now go with me here. Sure, I'm okay. 
Uh, did not know that show when you know, as a child. As a child, right. So did not make that link. But all of a sudden, I was like, the, the imagery about the bird, there's flying, and mm-hmm. there's being blind, and there's sort of this, like, I'm going to tell you a fairy tale that is actually explaining everything that I'm right. feeling and that is happening to me right now. Yeah. And... I you pr- actually probably know the lyrics if you sang it. Not off the top of my head. Oh, two brave shoes in the morning. Yeah, 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 yeah you probably yeah, know them better than I do. But it was right. it was interesting. I was like, I don't. I mean, this is completely irrelevant. So you know. Well, no, but it but it's a motif, very much of the time because the other as you said that the song that you just reminded me of is Greenfinch and Lindenbird from Sweet Todd. Greenfinch and Lindenbird, Nightingale, Blackbird, how is it you sing? How can you jubilate sitting in cages? Which is the same thing, though a little bit more overt, where she's literally singing to the birds, right. saying, like, you know, I want to get out. Yes, <laughs> like, how you can are you sing caged. caged? I want and to I am caged and I want mm. to be free. And then you find out that the birds are, just to tie the metaphor tightly together, you find out in the scene that follows that the birds are blind. That's the guy who's selling them blinds them so they never know when it's daytime, so they just sing all the time. I had forgotten that. Yeah. That is... Because that's Sweeney... T- well, that's Sweeney Todd. Sweeney right. Todd is like, this beautiful thing is horrifyingly dark and depressing. <laughs> if you take a closer right. look at all the... Anything you think is beautiful, <laughs> it will nice. be deeply ugly underneath. That is that is, uh, that is the message of Sweeney Todd. Another show about families. <laughs> all very uplifting. Dysfunctional, de- deadly families. But it is it is a... this Yeah, I mean, you're right. This, this it's, it's a pretty common thing of... of uh, in literature of the period of these sort mm-hmm. of fairy tales having very overt, direct connections to right. like, I can't express to you how I'm literally feeling. Right. Even though he does. I mean, in, in uh, Race to the Top of the Morning, he eventually kind of drops the artifice a little bit because the, the story he's reading is in first person and then he just flips it around and he does the second verse, which is that like he has to leave because the other foul dragon is tormenting and right. the wizard who lives on the hill. Like he's that boy. And he's at that point, he's directly addressing Colin. I guess the flip comes when he says, and then you came along and we're brave, bold yeah. and strong. And then thanks every night. Now I say, Oh, I'm going to start <laughs> crying. I really am. Like, it's just, it's so good. It is good. It's so, it's cause the emotions are so simple. Yeah. To me. Cause it is, it's grief. Mm-hmm. It's guilt. It's, you know, the kids are brats, you know what I mean? Like, like right. And spoiled because they're lonely. Like there's a very, it's it's primary colors, this show. Is, yes, I mean? yeah. Which, but then allows them to, like a Surratt painting, just, just keep throwing Sondheim yeah. in there somewhere, layer all this stuff on top of it. And to bring this back to you, so I'll stop talking, how, I really wonder like how much you got that as an 11 year old. I've kind of asked this before, but like I want to come back to it a little bit. Sure. How 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 much that you you saw as an eleven year old, and how much you see now, of just all the layers that just, are yeah, happening. Yeah, like what's going like because I I also imagine as an eleven year old actor, it is pretty easy to figure out what's going on. Like his wife died, he's sad. That's the son. Son sad. My parents died. I'm sad. Like I'm right. rough. You know. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it is very straightforward, and at the same time, uh, 
very odd that these two trajectories of the the adults and the kids they really don't they know that the other, what the other person's feeling and they really don't ever discuss why until maybe right. the very end they don't even really talk about it at the they end they really don't it's, it's just very everything's, Victorian. everything's, everything's okay just, everything's okay now we're, <laughs> we're running he's happy he hugs his son you know yeah. that's all you need right and put a bow on it and scene yes. <laughs> and play <laughs> actually <laughs> um well, that's such an interesting question, too, because part of me says, you know, I was a kid and, I, and I'm and i sure I, you're, I can't imagine any 11-year-old can truly understand all of that. At the same time, I think when you're doing a show, you're always, whatever you're cast in, it's, it, you're, you're seeing it from that perspective. And mm. sometimes you, it's not that you simplify, but you just have to see from those eyes. Right. Um, and so I'm not sure how much of of me doing the performance and and really honing in on Mary and not maybe overthinking the other things and the imagery and all of that was because I was young or was because I was just sort of, you know, figuring out what her track was. Sure. So I don't know if I'll if I'll ever ever know, but it it makes it really fun. I was nervous I wouldn't enjoy listening to it again. And okay. I really but I really do. So it's completely enjoyable. I I feel like I can step back. From it. The thing about Mary that's fun to me is that, and I know I've said this before, but the thing I, the thing I love about Mary and this story is that this isn't the little princess. This right. isn't Shirley Temple coming in and changing everybody's mind with this. It's not Annie. She's yes. not with a pluck and her good smile. Everyone's happy because she's happy. This is the worst kid you ever met in your entire right. life. She's sarcastic. She's bratty. Yep. In the book, she screams and like throws tantrums all the time. And she's totally unlikable, but through her brattiness, she saves everyone's life. Because it's like she's told, don't go to the garden. And so she goes for that garden right. because someone told her not to. But it is the right thing to do. And it just through the garden and meeting people and like needing people's help with the garden, she gets better. But she doesn't ever really lose that edge that makes her marry because she has that great scene with Dr. Craven where she like figures out what's going on. Like, like you're, you're no good. Like you're, yeah. you're a jerk. And yeah, so she doesn't ever become the sweet, smiley saccharine. She becomes nicer. Certainly. Yeah. But I actually, that's a good point. I think I was, I was drawn to that even as an 11 year old. I, I remember because so a lot of children's parts seem to be orphans in musicals. Yes. You've got you've got Oliver, you've got Annie, you've got right. uh, maybe put Peter Pan in there a little bit. Yeah, sure. Um, and this and all of those are, are very I you know they can be saccharine. They're very magical. They're you know or they're based on cartoons or right. something that seems you're right. The very plucky sort of like optimistic. It's the good kid. It's yeah. the story about the good kid. You know, Wendy's a good kid. Oliver's a good kid. Uh, Annie's a good kid yeah. in horrible circumstances, then lift – well, Wendy's not really. But like lifted out of those circumstances into being rewarded for being so good. And Mary – She's kind of down in the mud. I like that. Yeah. She's just like this – you know, she's not going to pretend she's something she's not. And Which she's, is kind of what everybody else is doing. I mean it is the, – the thing is that she is very in touch with how she's feeling. Yeah. <laughs> From the jump. It just she feels better. I mean, as she gets friends, as she becomes less lonely, she becomes a nicer, just generally more pleasant person. Mm-hmm. But pretty much everybody is pretending to be somebody else in yeah. the show. I mean, Archie's pretending to be whatever. He's sort of in Arrested Development. Neville's pretending to be a good doctor. <laughs> 
And Colin is sort of pretending to be okay with his circumstance. I mean, when you meet Colin, he's very... I am going to die. How do you know? Because I hear everybody whispering about it. If I live, I may be a hunchback. But I shan't live. Which is, which he says, and it's, it, it isn't that way in the book, too, with pride. He sort of is mm-hmm. like, I'm going to die. You have to do what I want. You know, and he's pretending not to be terrified and very sad and lonely. But Mary all the time is just she's just she's a brat. She's curious. She won't stay in her room at night. Somebody's crying. I'm gonna go figure out why. Right. Because like, well, uh, you didn't hear anybody crying. Yeah, yeah, I did. And I'm gonna right. go figure it out. And she doesn't say, "I heard someone crying. Let me go find them so I can comfort them." She says, "I heard someone crying. Let me find them so I can make them stop, stop. crying." Right. <laughs> I can't sleep because they're crying. I am tired. <laughs> problem solution. That is Mary Lennox. That's, she is. Yeah. I see the problem. I'm gonna go solve. It's my problem. I'm gonna go solve my problem. End of conversation. Yes. And the more she's told no, the more she doesn't that she she will not stop. She absolutely is propelled. She's con- she's a very active character. Every mm-hmm. time something happens to her, she pushes against it. Yeah. Which is a really great it's a, and, and not a thing you see in, as you say, children's characters yeah. at all of the time. It's it's a very very anti what the uh, what the thing would be. Yeah, I think it, I think it's a rich vein. I think it's and it, it's the reason it keeps coming back too. I mean, it was it was a it was a pretty big hit, mm-hmm. and then you, it got revi- uh, revised. I, I just I just found out the the version they're doing at Shakespeare now here in town. Yeah. is uh, is different and has new songs and. Well, so I must admit, I I saw it. Oh, you saw it? Yes. Okay. So. And. Um. So yeah, it was it was, um. There were some songs that were taken out. Um. I know I'm I'm nervous that I like am missing something, but I think Round Shouldered Man was not in oh, okay. not in there. That's um, another moment like Fine White Horse where I'm just like Right, that one's your, that one's your dad, right? I think like of, of all yeah. of the songs that was actually I was fine with that. Yeah. They moved um the girl I'm the girl I mean to be from the beginning of Act Two mm-hmm. to when she's talking to the bird. Which is really interesting. Oh. Dickon kind of says, you have to explain why. Why you want, you know, why oh. do you want this garden? Sure. And so she goes into, and then that's when he's like, okay, great. Now that you're having this conversation, right. like, I, I better get out of here. Yeah. So kind of, that makes sense to that me. That makes sense to me. That did always feel kind of like a weird act to opener. It's a nice song. But like just to open with her wandering through the garden seemed like a weird place to start. Even yeah. at age 11, that was what I was most <laughs> nervous about. Really? Yeah, I was like I never stage. I never quite knew why it was there. It it just felt a little out of place. Yeah. So I was kind of excited to see it somewhere else. I think it Yeah, worked. yeah. I'm down with that. Yeah. I like that song. So I'm I'm glad it Yeah, didn't I'm glad that yeah, I'm glad they didn't cut just it. Get cut. So how does act 2 start? No. How does act 2 start? So let's go with, let me think. She finds the she finds a key, finds the door. What happens after? I think Wick is like the next. I think Isn't yeah. I think I think that was it. I think that they go into the garden. They kick with Wick. That's fine. They, they can kick off with Wick. And now, like I feel like oh, it's it's odd that I don't recall. But I feel like yeah, it was. Yeah, I don't have a song list to pull up for the Shakespeare rewrite. It's also pretty new. This like yeah, this, this I have particular the, I have rewrite. The program, but I don't know. If Do you it have it has... with you? Yeah. Oh, well, get that out. Let's get it. Sitting here guessing. You've got the answers in your purse. Well, I don't know if it's in. Oh, it'll be in there. It'll kick. Okay. There we go. Yeah, Wick. Act two starts with Wick. Act two with Wick. That makes sense. Then, so then, Act one ends with because Act one ends with Mary discovering the door to the garden. Exactly. The key. The storm. No, she discovers the door. That's right. The storm. Because the key is so much earlier than I remember it. It's like. Oh yeah, the key comes right before Bit of Earth. 
Yeah. Because that's the bit. She finds the key. That's when she asks for permission yeah. to go inside without I'd asking for... for permission to go inside. I had in forgotten a about that. Very clever scene. And then <laughs> the storm, I think, is what reveals the door yep. in another moment of magical realism. Yes. And Act One ends with her walking into the garden. Exactly. So then Act Two opens with her in the garden and everything's dead. That's actually, and like, yeah. Wick, that's a, and then do we go from Wick to the quartet? Is that the. Go from Wick to disappear to Lily's eyes. Re- yeah. Um. Where's the quartet? <laughs> Maybe disappear is the quartet, because disappear is something they say over and over again in the quartet. If she could disappear, he'd start again and live like other men. He could be happy then. If she disappear, he could be free, cut off from pain and loss. A bit like me. Yeah. Oh, it, may, it looks like it's a solo now. Okay. Changes. Fun. I was like, what quartet? Lily's eyes reprise. Come to my garden. Yeah, come spirit, come charm. This is all. This is pretty much as as seen. Yeah, except for that seems to be the biggest change. The opening act two with Wick, which actually I think is a great idea. Yeah, I think that's a really that's a really good that's a really good change. And of course, this production for those who don't know stars Daisy Egan as Martha. Yeah, that was interesting Famously, to see. Famously, yeah, with her freckles. She's been posting a lot of pictures on Instagram of her freckles. <laughs> I saw that too. They're pretty funny. She doesn't know if people believe their freckles. Or... I, did you believe they were freckles? Well, of course, you know what she looks like. Well, I was. I know what she looks like. I was also pretty far back, so I oh. don't know if I could have <laughs> seen a freckle. Just the red hair, just the wig, right? Yeah. All you saw was the yeah, wig. Yeah, I, I could. I, I yeah. got the gist, but I. Yeah, we're not. Uh, I wasn't in freckle. My, I don't think my wife and I are going to get to see this, unfortunately. We decided to have twins instead. <gasps> Yay! Um, so. <laughs> Instead of going to the theater ever again, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, to, you know, spending money to, to, at the theater. To have, well, I'm glad you it's saw it. I was going to ask you if you'd seen it, and uh, I'm glad you got to to go. So it was good, though. I it mean, was. It was very. It was very interesting, and also because I hadn't actually seen it. I'd been in it. I'd oh, really? To it. You hadn't seen it since since no, you were in it. Oh, wow. No, and and because really of weird. that, I'm like a lot of the stuff with the ghosts is like, oh, that's what they're, you know, like that's what they're doing up <laughs> well, cause there. Well, because you've never really seen it. Yeah, yeah, you're kind of or or um, you know, scenes with with Archie and Colin or sure. where you know you're just like I had I did not stage. quite understand what was what was happening there. So I it was interesting you. to see interesting to see how how the ghosts sort of guide things. And mm-hmm. I and I had the very first thing I thought was like, wow, Greek chorus, which I never picked up on. But I'm like, there well, they are. Well, you were are. 11. I think we can excuse you not knowing what a Greek chorus <laughs> is at you. 11. It's good. Well, this is great, Jenny. This is so much, so much fun. fun. It's a fun show. So what do you, you are, what's the show you're in right now? I am in It's a Wonderful Life, the live radio play at Washington uh-huh. Stage Guild. And that runs until? Uh, that runs until December 18th. And who do you play in the? In I play the... Mary Hatch. Well, thank you so much for coming down. Thank you for having so me. So much fun. The original cast was recorded at the Media Production Center at American University. Special thanks to Jeffrey Madison, Tom Fish, Imani Mular, and the tireless staff of students who run the front desk. Follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at OriginalCastPod. You can follow me, Patrick Flynn, on Twitter at UnknownPenguin. You can email us at OriginalCastPod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Subscribe to the original cast on iTunes. And while you're there, please give us a comment and a rating so other people can find the show. The original cast is having its very first live show as part of the Flying V Awesome-a-thon on December 10th at 4.30 p.m. in Bethesda, Maryland. For more information, please visit unknownpenguin.com slash live. My thanks to Jenny Donovan for coming down and talking to me today. Thank you. <laughs> I'm Patrick Flynn, and I can't. I have rehearsal. I've got you to lean on. We've got you to lean on. I've got you to 
now like some music majors are going to write in. <laughs> well, let's find one. Let's so find out. Can... Right. Please write. Please write me at, at originalcastpod at gmail.com to tell me if I'm wrong. <laughs> and if you don't write, I'm going to assume I was, I was correct the, the entire time. Safe assumption.